G'day folks and welcome to the Australian Fly Fishing Podcast. My name's Josh Power and this podcast is an opportunity for me to interview anglers in the fly fishing community, both within Australia and overseas. I'll be speaking with people that I find interesting and inspirational, industry leaders and anglers that have helped pave the way for future generations and hopefully in turn preserve a piece of fly fishing history. I hope you enjoy the Australian Fly Fishing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Fisho's Tack World Harvey Bay, your one-stop fishing shop on the Fraser Coast stocking a wide range of fly tying materials and tackle with access to all the leading brands. Mako Eyewear, a proudly Australian-owned eyewear company that has been on the leading edge of polarised sunglasses for over 25 years. Manic Tackle Project, a collective of like-minded anglers bringing some of the world's best fly fishing brands to the Australian and New Zealand market, including Sims, Scott Fly Rods, Abel, Ross and Waterworks Lamps and Reels, Airflow Fly Lines, Loon Outdoors and much more. And Garmin Australia, whether you're chasing a new chart plotter, fish finder, trolling motor or audio system, Garmin has you covered. So my name is Justin Weber. I'm up in Mackay, North Queensland, um, originally from South Africa, um, but I've been up here for almost 14 years now. Um, more recently, I started in the Salt Fly Mag, which some of you or listeners may have read or seen before. And um, yeah, it brings me to my latest love project, Headwaters Art, um, which is where Josh and I connected recently. G'day Justin, well it's great to have you on the podcast mate, I've been really enjoying keeping up with you over the years with both In The Salt magazine and more recently Headwaters, um, I just ordered some prints for myself and some stickers and that and the quality is really good and the prints are really cool so I think it's going to be a good one, there's been plenty of people jumping on the bandwagon with that so it's great to see the support but before we jump in too much into the Headwaters side of things we might start with a bit of a background of um, you obviously yeah, grew up in in South Africa, so we might talk a bit about that and how you first got into fly fishing and fishing in general. Cool. Um, so yeah, I was born in um, in Durban, which is on the east coast of South Africa, and um, yeah, at a young age, I started fishing. Um, I think like a lot of us, um, our dads had heavy influence on us when it comes to that sort of thing, and my dad was a very passionate fisherman, so I kind of got dragged into it, I suppose. Not kicking and screaming because I love it. And, um, yeah, I think one of my earliest memories actually is is going fishing with him. So, yeah, I've been fishing for a really long time um, and did a lot of rock and surf um, sort of style fishing. Um, we fished off a lot of piers and harbour walls and that sort of thing in and around Durban, uh, Durban Harbour. My dad especially used to enjoy that sort of thing. Um and he used to do a lot of ski boat fishing, which I guess because I was so young, I didn't really get to um, go out on ski boats because I don't know if you've ever seen South African ski boat launching, but it's literally off the beach straight into the surf and <laughs> out you go kind of thing. It's pretty gnarly. I've watched a few mates' videos from when they used to live over there and it's, yeah, it's crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I don't think you'd let me tag along on those trips, but um, I was very lucky. He had some mates who had some big game boats, so... Um, we used to go fishing out on them a fair bit and I think I was probably more of a pest than anything else because obviously I couldn't really, <laughs> I couldn't handle the, they used to do a lot of bottom fishing and um, you know, they're fishing with big sort of heavier rods, big Scarborough reels, 
which is kind of like a an oversized alvey. Yeah. Um, and you fish them on a, a longer rod, don't you? Like typically something over seven foot, like around the eight foot mark. Yeah, yeah, quite long. Yeah. And um, and yeah, they're fishing sort of 10, 12 ounce sinkers to get to the bottom sort of thing. So for a four or five year old kid, that just wasn't <laughs> wasn't happening. So probably ended up spending most of my time pestering people, eating their food and just, you know, catching bait, like slimy mackerel, that sort of thing as, as bait. Um, but yeah, well, um, well, probably one of my best memories from those days was um, we went out on uh, one of those game boats and my dad and his mates were obviously bottom fishing and like I said, I was probably just pestering them um, to the point that he said, well, look, I'm going to give you a bait rod and we'll, we'll, we'll send out a, a floating bait or whatever, you know, like a big slimy or something just drifting out the, out the front of the boat and he put me up at the front and it was probably it was sort of a Riviera, I suppose, kind of boats. I can't really remember, but it was it was big. Even though I was small, I know it was big. <laughs> and um, he said, "Look, you sit up at the front and you watch this rod. And if it goes, you call us and we'll sort it out." And anyway, I probably lasted about I don't know fifteen minutes up there, and I got bored, as you would imagine. <laughs> and um, so anyway, I made my way back to the back of the boat, and I think they were in the wheelhouse, you know, whatever, doing something, eating or whatever, and. Next thing they hear this rod go. So they all rush out to the back of the boat, obviously thinking that it's one of their rods. And lo and behold, it was my rod up the front. So my dad ran up to the front of the boat, grabbed the rod, brought it back to you know, back to the back of the boat and put the gimbal on and said, Right, you want to fish? Here's your fish. And um, I think at one point I was crying because I said, Dad, you need to reel this in, I can't anymore. And he said, No, if you want to be a fisherman, you have to reel in your own fish. You know, that's sort of something that really obviously has stuck with me. And, um, yeah, I ended up getting probably about a 15 kilo. Um, they call them cuda there, but that's, I suppose equivalent here would be like a Spanish mackerel sort of thing. So, yeah, for a little five-year-old, that was that was quite a quite a good fish, and I was very chuffed with that. And I think, yeah, that's really where my, my obsession with fishing was cemented. And, um, and, yeah, then it was probably just fishing – as much as I could, wherever I could, from then on out. And you didn't live in Durban sort of forever. You eventually moved into, is it um, a town near the Drakensburg or Drakensburg, yeah, is it? Yeah, near the Drakensburg, yeah. yeah. So when I was probably about, um, I don't know, seven or eight, we moved up inland. Um, my dad got a transfer with work and obviously he had to go. So we all picked up, you know, packed up the family and moved up to Ladysmith, which is about an hour from the Drakensberg. And um, obviously moving away from the coast, it was, you know, it was only really freshwater fishing. So we used to do a lot of a lot of black bass fishing, which is like the American black bass. Um, and um, so we did a lot of bass fishing um, and there was there was a lot of catfish. There we call them barbel. I think they, I think it's a sharp-toothed catfish or something like that. Anyway, we used to fish for that in the dams and stuff, farm dams around. And um, my dad had met some mates. Um, he used to do a lot of dirt bike riding. And so we became good family friends with one of those guys. His name's Kevin. They actually live in Mackay as well, one of the reasons I moved here. Anyway, um, they had they lived on a farm and they had some dams. And so, yeah, we used to spend lots of weekends out there riding dirt bikes and fishing for bass and that sort of thing. And... Um, in their family, they also had a trout farm, which was up in the Berg. 
And um, so, yeah, so we used to go up there. And like I said, probably, I don't know, seven or eight. And myself and um, my mate Nicholas, who was Kevin's son, um, we used to fish for trout with spinners, just jumping on a little boat and paddling. I'd be the paddler and he would be the, the rod man. <laughs> and uh, we'd paddle around the dam and troll spinners around because we obviously didn't know how to fly fish already, you know, at that stage. And um, we caught quite a few trout. And uh, his grandfather said, no, look, you guys, <laughs> you, you've, you're old enough now. You need to learn how to trout fish properly with a fly rod. <laughs> and um, fortunately, like my dad had been learning, you know, he sort of taken it up from Nicholas' dad, Kevin, and he'd been fishing for quite a, fly fishing for quite a while. So they were very patient with us and taught us, um, you know, I guess as much as they knew about fly fishing. And um, yeah, so my my fly fishing, um, yeah, really started up there in the Berg, um, fishing for stock trout in in dams on that farm. And, um, and yeah, it sort of just went from there. And the Drakensberg, it's sort of like the central plateau of South Africa, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it sort of goes like, it probably cuts South Africa kind of in half. You know, you sort of got, you know, you got the sea level kind of thing. Then it goes up gradually and then it sort of really jumps up probably, I don't know, well over a kilometre high sort of thing, just like a big escarpment. And then above that is then the, you know, sort of the high felt it's called and then it sort of goes up from there. So it's a big jagged piece of rock that just jumps out the ground. And, uh, yeah, it's perfect up there for trout because it's nice and cool. And, um, yeah, it's perfect weather for it. Yeah. And were they mainly rainbows that you were chasing up there or did you get browns as well? Um, no, well, in those stock dams, yeah, it was mainly rainbows. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they do get um, browns and stuff in South Africa, but, yeah, mainly we fished mainly for rainbows. Yeah, okay. And yeah. a bit later in life, you actually did a bit of um, trout guiding and that sort of thing in America. Like, uh, where was that? That was in North Carolina. Was that when you were sort of in your teens or like your early 20s? Or? Yeah, that was probably, uh, where was it? Probably about um, 20, I'd say. I'd finished school, sort of jumped around a bit back because my parents had moved to Cape Town um, when I'd finished school which is also on the coast, but it's sort of at the bottom of South Africa. And we were up in Ladysmith, which was, you know, northern part, northern Natal. Anyway, I jumped to and fro there for about two years. And um, I was down at, there was an expo for uh, these summer camps in America. Anyway, I didn't didn't have anything going, so I went and had a look at that. And um, one of the, one of the stalls that they had was, yeah, it was a, was an adventure camp in North Carolina and you know I headed off with the with the directors of the camp that were actually there interviewing people and um, they just happened to have a couple of pictures of trout and stuff on their on their backdrop that they had behind them there so we got to talking and um, yeah probably half an hour later they offered me the role of fly fishing guide <laughs> for their <laughs> summer camp and uh, it worked out pretty well. I mean, obviously, I was only teaching kids and stuff to fly fish and, you know, other people at the camp that, that um, wanted to learn, I suppose. But um, they put me through an Orvis Guides course, which was like a week-long sort of thing, you know, just learning the fundamentals, I suppose. And, um, yeah, so I was quite fortunate. I got to fish around. Um, we, we stayed in Brevard, um, and, yeah, we fished – all around there, Appalachian sort of mountains um, for brook trout, which was very cool. 
Um, and yeah, they had they had a dam on the property where the kids would fish and we'd they had stocked with rainbows as well, which was cool. But um, yeah, we got some good brook trout there and um, and some browns as well, which was very very cool to to experience. Yeah, the brookies are certainly like you look at the colours and patterns on them, and like even like I can't wait to get the states one day and chase some brookies and some cutthroat, and they've certainly got oh. some good rivers and streams over there. Yeah, those brook trout are. They they are the prettiest trout in my opinion. Um, yeah, I haven't I haven't caught all strains of salmonoid, but yeah, in in terms of a, a good looking trout, I reckon brook trout's definitely up there as one of the best. And um, like the ones we were catching weren't very big. Um, I know they obviously get large, but they were pretty small, and we were fishing tiny little streams like right at the top of um, top of these you know big mountain streams and. Um, yeah, just the landscape that we got to fish in was, yeah, it was really cool and obviously catching very cool fish. Yeah, and the thing with trout is too, like it doesn't matter whether you're chasing fish that are like 500 grams sort of thing or if you're chasing like big 10-pound brutes in New Zealand, if you're using the relevant gear, like if you're using a little two-weight on small streams, you're going to have a great great time anyway. Um, oh, and yeah. the landscape that you're fishing in as well, like it takes you to some of the most beautiful places in the world. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we were fishing, um, yeah, like – one weight sort of things with size 24 dries and um you know good thing i was only 20 then because i don't reckon <laughs> i could tie one of those on now but um yeah we had, that was pretty cool and um yeah like you say you scaled down your your gear and i mean i think i think like most fishermen and um anyone that traces you know that sort of thing it's all about the eat you know the fart is obviously part of it but it's all about that visual eat i don't know it's that that's what it is for me anyway yeah so it doesn't matter if you're catching tiny fish or big fish it's, it's the same kind of same kind of feeling i suppose yeah that's it it can be like a brown trout on the stream or a golden trevally in a flat if you get them to what like watch them eat that fly yeah or if you have to move it to get them to eat it's pretty cool yeah it's exactly right yeah and you've also, like, fly fishing's taken you to some pretty cool other places around the world. Um, New Zealand was another place where you got a chance to chase some browns and rainbows on a family trip there. Yeah, we went over, my wife and I, before we had kids, uh, went and stayed with a mate in Lake Howia, and um, he's obviously a local there, lived there for a long time, so he knew a few good spots. And, um, yeah, we got to chase... Um, in Lake Howie itself, we chased a few rainbows and browns, and um, we fished quite a few. I can't remember all the names, so forgive me, but I think Macarora was maybe one of them, and Ahariri, I think, we fished. And we did a bit of a road trip up to Christchurch, so we got to fish along the way there and fished a few spots, um, one of them being the canals on the way up and um, didn't unfortunately see any 20 pound trout but I did catch a few <laughs> a few smaller specimens which was pretty cool but um, none, none of those large beasts. Like what Angus uh, from um, the fly fishing outfitters in WA just got he was over there and caught yeah. an absolute stonker. Yeah they get huge there those things eh? it's yeah. phenomenal it's phenomenal. Yeah. But no yeah we had a great trip um, probably one of the best experiences I had was fishing at Lake Howie itself and walking along the edges and there was just, you know, these massive browns. I mean, you know, for me, I hadn't fished for trout for a long time, so it was quite quite a cool experience. And just seeing these big fish, I mean, I don't know what they would have been, maybe you know, seven, eight pound, maybe even some 10 pounders, like a really big 
fish as the cicadas were just um, starting to really land on the water. It was just it was January, and um, so they were coming up and eating cicadas. So you're fishing with big, relatively big flies, and plopping these cicadas down in front of them, and they would just yeah, literally just beeline straight for your fly. And um, that was very cool experience, you know, sort of sight casting them from way up on a sheep pathway <laughs> where they'd made along the side of the hill. And it was very cool. I guess that's um, how some of those big brands over there get so big. They have those like cicada seasons and like even when they have the mouse plagues and that sort of thing. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. This... Pretty epic. <laughs> yeah. Very epic. Yeah. And salt yeah. water's definitely one of your passions it's pretty evident with a lot of the stuff that you've done like within the salt magazine and even some of your prints and that sort of thing with um headwaters now christmas island was another place that you got to explore there and get into the bonefish and that sort of thing yeah that was um that was such a good trip um made some good mates you know especially the guy that i went to south in new zealand dan um we met him on that trip and um yeah just just the guys that were there was very cool and you know made a good a good trip it was four of us from here um myself pete nick and graham and um all of us had never ever done that sort of thing before you know sort of being fishermen uh that we are we've you know we've never actually paid to go on a fishing trip <laughs> so it was quite an experience for us where the guard says hey give me your rod and give me your fly selection i'm going to tie a fly on for you you're like uh, this does not <laughs> seem right <laughs> anyway we were quite spoiled for that and um and yeah, just the place itself. I mean, the fishing is phenomenal there, you know. Um, I don't know if you've been there before, but those bonefish are, there's so many of them there. And, you know, I, I don't know, we, it was hard for us in a way because we we didn't have the weather. Um, it was overcast and drizzled most of the days that we were there. But we got a couple of breaks in the weather here and there, and, and we really capitalized on those and we caught quite a few fish. Um but you know that that trip just opened all of our hours to um, flats fishing and what we have literally right on our doorstep here in Mackay. Um, I think it definitely definitely uh, made us look twice at our flats <laughs> and sort of and sort of puzzle. Hey, we got we got very similar stuff not too far from here, and um, you know we need to do more of that. And yeah, I think I think that trip really um, got our flats fishing sort of kicked into gear for the four of us anyway. Did you get a chance to chase the triggers and that sort of thing as well? Um, we did, you know, look, you're obviously walking the flats fishing for bonefish predominantly like that was our target, um, because none of us had ever caught a bonefish either. So it was quite, um, you know, that was basically what we wanted to catch. And, um, so we'd have the guide take, um, I think we so you sort of have one guide to two anglers. That's what we had. So we'd eat. So we'd take a twelve weight and an eight weight between the two of us, and then the guide would carry those two rods. And then I fished with a six, and I think my mate fished with a seven. And um, so we had a few shots of triggers. I I had had one, and I um, I fought it for a while, and it found a a coral bommie and stuck its head in there. And <laughs> And the guard said, no, he'll go and get it. So I was like, oh, that's awesome. So he went to go and get it. And anyway, searching through his bag, he'd forgotten his gloves behind. And um, 
So I was like, well, I'll just stick my hand in and then grab it. And he's like, no, 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 don't go. Don't stick your hand anywhere near that thing without a glove on it. Because since then, I've seen videos of people that's, uh, you know, done that. And yeah, it doesn't end well for, bits for of your their, finger. It's their finger bitten off. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I didn't, I didn't quite get to get the picture of a trigger, but I got to, I got, you know, I got the eat and I got the fight, which was pretty cool. Yeah. And did you get a chance to go out and chase the milkies over there or? We we had one day that we headed out on um, on one of their sort of traditional boats, so it was a bit tricky for us to fly fish to those milkies because I think I think you sort of need a smaller like a center console kind of boat where you can sort of you know move around them quite easily. Yeah, those um, traditional boats of theirs are not very agile, yeah. and it's a bit <laughs> tricky. It's a bit tricky trying to fish off of them when you're chasing those sort of things. But we we tried. Um, and there's so many there. Well, there was when we were there. There was so many milkfish. It was, you know, literally like a footy field of just mouths out the water, sipping whatever off the surface. Hmm. And um, yeah, we so we gave it a few shots, but um, you know, also being novices at catching milkfish, we didn't really know what we were doing. So we we tried, but yeah, we didn't really have any success. And um, we but we ended up going out wide. Um, we didn't get any yellowfin tuna, but I, I think some other guys may have got one or two. We just basically went and fished um, just off the island like we would here off the reef, you know, reef edges kind of thing, um, chasing red bass and all that sort of stuff, um, which was very cool. I unfortunately didn't get a red bass, but, um, yeah, we caught all kinds of different reef species, which were pretty cool to, to catch and, um, and yeah, trolled, trolled back. Um, the other boat that was with us, I think they they hooked a wahoo um, on their outing out wide. But um, yeah, it was it was. I mean, we were there for bonefish, you know. Like that was our main thing. So um, if I had to go back there again, I'd probably spend a day chasing triggers, and um, I probably wouldn't even bother going offshore because, yeah, not that we have all the variety here, but we do a lot of offshore fishing here. So I think it would be mainly bonefish and, and triggers for me. Yeah, I guess North Queensland you are pretty lucky that there are so many good reef flats, fairly accessible, um, sort of yep. between Mackay and the Cairns region. So. Yep, definitely. Yeah, I like it. The Whitsundays is, is super close for us, and they've got some amazing reefs. And you know, they're not they're not as close as they are Cairns, but for us, uh, you know, sixty k's and you're at the reef is pretty good. Yeah, I guess the guys over at Christmas Island would be pretty excited too because I saw a thing the other day. I think it was the villages over there. Um, they're going to be getting flights in again at the start of December. So it's been... Like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I think it's been like three years since they've had people there consistently. Um, so, yeah, being one of those first groups would be pretty epic, I think. I think it'll be yeah, it'll be phenomenal if you can get get amongst them, you know, haven't been fished for three years. Um, I reckon the fishing will be off its head. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, without the pressure and that sort of thing, and it'll be great for the locals and the local economy getting people back over there and injecting oh, a, a few funds. So, Absolutely. I think they, I think the, the whole island survives on, I think it's mainly the US guys that go over there because um, it's quite close for them. And then, of course, you've got the Australian contingent that makes their way across there as well. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I think in terms of their economy, they don't really have... Um, there's not a lot there that they can really do, um, so yeah, I think I think the guiding and obviously all the things that you know come along with it, uh, you know, supporting the local whatever they can grow sort of thing. And I know they get a lot of um, fruit and stuff sent over from Hawaii, 
but um you know just just the employment opportunities and stuff yeah that they need tourism to survive i reckon so if you can't afford it go to christmas island yeah bloody oath (laughs) (laughs) and when did you actually end up in australia like how old were you when you moved over here um it was 2009 so i was yeah 29 when i moved over here um yeah i was obviously i'd been living in cape town sort of for the previous 10 years before that and um you know, we sort of used to do a lot of tuna fishing and that sort of thing there. And um, my mate Nicholas, who now lives here in Mackay, he came over for um, a holiday. And I was doing freelance graphic design at the time over there. And anyway, he brought out his, I can't remember if it was a phone or whatever it was, his book or whatever he brought out, but there's just pictures and pictures of fish and like Spanish GTs and all the other things that we get up here, mackerel and whatnot, you know. And, um, I was just like, man, I need to, I need to get to that place. <laughs> that that looks like where I parked my car. <laughs> so yeah, uh, fortunately, about a year later, I was sponsored to come over here, um, and yeah, I've been, I've been in Mackay ever since. Yeah, cool. And you were pretty much straight into the fishing as soon as you got there. Yeah, look, um, I think I got off the plane, went to my mate's place, dropped off my bags, and he said, "Hey, you want to go and catch a top?" and and I was like, of course I do. <laughs> so <laughs> off we went. And um, yeah, I reckon probably about an hour after I landed in Mackay, I'd already had a fish on the line. So that was pretty awesome. Yeah. It was a good, it was a good introduction to my life in Mackay. Yeah. And you've got pretty much just been like that ever since. <laughs> yeah. And you've got so much epic fishing up there. Like the barra fishing's incredible. You've got permit on the flats, goldies. I've even seen um, some pictures in one of your issues in the salt that you got a few um, East Coast bonefish. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, um, yeah, they're quite elusive up here. And there's only a few spots where you can sort of target them. And I suppose if people kind of know where they are, then they can go and get them there. But, you know, that was why after Christmas Island, we sort of started on Google Maps and sort of started looking for the same kind of situation that you get in Christmas Island. And there are, like I said, there's a couple of places um, around here that are very similar. So, yeah, we've um, we've managed to tick those off the list, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, I actually, I actually caught a bonefish, a permit, and I was going to race back to Mackay and catch a tarpon as well. Well, try at least. So I could say I got a grand slam, but... Um, yeah, my wife, I don't think would have appreciated me being away for the whole weekend and then getting <laughs> home and going fishing again. So I decided against it. What's, um, better to ask for forgiveness than for permission. <laughs> well, look, in, in hindsight, I probably should have just done that because she would have gotten over it. But, um, yeah, hopefully I have that opportunity again. Yeah. I'm sure it'll come up again one day if you put the time I, I, in. I did, I did tell her, listen, you just got to understand if I ring you and tell you this has happened, this is what's about to happen. <laughs> Just got to get your priorities in order. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and when did you um? When did you meet Paul Dolan? He's been like I knew Dolan when I was a oh, teenager. I used to ride my push bike down to the little tackle shop in the Esplanade there, Fraser Coast, ride and reel, and catch up with him and Jace. And then when I was fourteen, I joined the fish stocking group here in Harvey Bay. So I learned a fair bit off Paul. He was great at teaching us young fellas. And then ever since, I've sort of kept in touch with him. Um, super, super fishy dude. And you guys are now yeah living in the Very- same place. Yeah, well, he lives about forty minutes up towards the uh, um, towards the range inland. I think he likes it up there because he can get to his barrow really easily. It's like five minutes from his house. Yeah, <laughs> he does love his barrow. Uh, but yeah, he um, 
yes, I can't even remember which year he moved up here, but he came up here from Harvey Bay, and um, he sort of meant he messaged me before he came up here because my mate and I had been kind of doing our own little thing with, um, you know, writing little trip reports, I suppose, and taking photos and that sort of thing. And and he sort of said, oh, he jumped on there and had a look and. Um, and yeah, he sort of connected with us before he headed up here, and and sort of been mates with him ever since. Yeah, since he since he got you. Yeah, he's a great bloke, and he's such a well-rounded angler. Like he's an incredible empowerment fisherman. Like used to do a lot on bass and Saratoga in the early days, and then Barramundi and Sooties. Um, loves his toga in the river, that sort of thing. Um, but then on the flats and the the blue water and that sort of thing, he's done just about everything. So. I'll take my hat off to him. He's um, one of those blokes that he's pretty much on the water nearly every day he can. <laughs> I think the only thing that would stop him is probably a, oh. um, a cyclone or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong there. I think that, yeah, he'll be fishing for a, a very long time, Paul. Uh, he's, a, he's, um, yeah, he's one of those guys that's, um, yeah, that fishing is his life. So, And it shows, you know, if you look at his Instagram and whatnot. And I know he's... Um, He's been getting a few guys um, permit recently. I think Gav's crabs had a, you know, we've been chasing permit for a while here, but you know, ever since um, Gav came up with that winning recipe, um, I think that's been the nail in the coffin for permit all over Australia, and it's most certainly happened here, because um, yeah, Paul's Paul's been getting quite a few with his clients and that sort of thing, and I got one recently, and another mate got one, and um, with him as well, so. I think out of my little four group of four that went to Christmas Island, I think he's yet he's just got to get Nicholas one and then yeah, he's been on the boat and we've all caught permit together, which is pretty cool. It is a um pretty impressive fly and it seems to be catching fish all over the country. I caught up with Gab for a beer down at the pub on Saturday. Actually yep. Friday, sorry. Um and it's one of those ones that it's just like it's the rough shape of a moon crab. It casts well, doesn't spin, sinks quickly. You can adjust the weight with it, like you can either have them fairly light for shallow water or if you need it, if it's a deeper flat, if there's a bit of a run across it, you can go to something fairly heavy, like that three and a half grand sort of thing. Um, Absolutely. So it just ticks all the boxes. Yeah, I definitely think he probably should have patented that, that design. <laughs> One of those ones you've seen a fly catalogue down the track. <laughs> yeah, that's it. But I suppose if they all did that, we wouldn't have any flies. Yeah. And Gab's I mean, pretty, um, he's been, ever since I met him when he moved to Harvey Bay, he's always been toying with crab flies, trying to get them to sink properly and flip the right way up. And so he's put a lot of time into it. It's not just something that happened overnight. And yeah, he's one yeah. of those dudes that he's just stoked that people are catching fish on the pattern. Um, and like he just loves seeing it when Paul gets a client onto a fish and just uh, like random people that have tied one or bought one off one of the commercial ties in Australia. So um, it's pretty cool that he does get that satisfaction from it and that he hasn't tried to sort of commercialize it, I guess. No, I, I don't think he would. But yeah, I think, I think, um, I think he definitely hats off to him. It's a phenomenal pattern. And, um, and yeah, I'm glad he gets a kick out of it when he sees um, people catching fish on it. Yeah. And when did um, we spoke about your writing some, um, some stories and that about your fishing and photos and that sort of thing. So when did you actually kick off in the salt mag? Um, well, I think the first issue was in, um, was it March 2017, I think? Um, yeah, January, February, March, yeah, um, 2017. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really just um, I wanted to collect, you know, like I said, we've been sort of writing little trip reports and that sort of thing. And 
I'd always, um, I remember when I studied graphic design, they asked, what do you want to be when, you know, you finish this course? And I wrote, uh, I would like to work at a fly fishing magazine. That was my goal. And um, that hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will <laughs> one day. But anyway, I decided that I would collate these stories that we had and turn it into a little magazine. Just really a fun thing just for me and my mates to get a kick out of, basically. And um, anyway, I started talking to a few guys. Gav from Tyne Fly down in Sunny Coast was one of them. And um, and he sort of said, well, why don't you just, you know, just put it out there and, you know, I'll type a fly pattern for you and chuck that in and, um, you know, just give it a go. Like, you know, you've got nothing to lose, really. And um, I, I suppose also at that stage, um, you know, once – we sort of got that first issue out the way. Um, I started selfishly wanting more saltwater content for myself, you know, in and around Australia because um, not that I'm not obsessed with fly fishing now, but I was very obsessed with fly fishing then. And, and, and I wanted to sort of figure out different places that we could go and sort of different species, that sort of thing. And, you know, I like um, – Fly Life is an amazing magazine. I love it. I I read it when it comes out. and um, But I just didn't feel like there was enough saltwater content for my own needs. So, yeah, I decided after that first issue that I'd try and get more content, Australian content for myself, and inevitably then turned into issue two. And it still had, a, you know, a few stories, mate stories in it. Um but then, yeah, sort of just took off from there once people started reading it. I think they enjoyed it, even though my writing was, you know, very average. <laughs> There's probably lots of spelling mistakes, lots of grammatical errors. But, you know, I'm a graphic designer. I'm not a copywriter. So I did my best and gave it a shot. And then, yeah, sort of issue two came out and issue three. And, yeah, I think we got up to issue 12. And um, enter a baby into my life and... I didn't know what was about to hit me, really. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, well, basically I had to put the magazine on hold because that was just, yeah, the baby just took precedent, obviously. And, um, and yeah, it's been uh, been on hold ever since. But, yeah, really hoping to try and kick it off um, again, hopefully, you know, in the near future. Um, so, yeah. I think, too, like, being a free e-magazine, like hats off to you, like the amount of work that goes into it plus the dollars it costs you to put each um, each issue out. Um, yeah, a lot of people wouldn't be that keen to pour that much time into it as well as their own money. So um, it is pretty impressive that you did manage to get all those issues out and the quality of the content and that sort of thing for a free publication. Yeah, look, I, um, I'm, I'm probably a very poor salesman because, you know, <laughs> Uh, I, I I try to limit the amount of advertising in there, but um, you know the, there was obviously a there was a core group of people that did support us, but um yeah it did it did used to cost me out of my own back pocket every issue, but I didn't mind that because I really was passionate about it and I really enjoyed doing it, um so yeah I think it was really it was sort of a culmination of things you know it was just I got to that point where it was like well do I start really hounding guys for advertising and support to try and keep it going. Um, but then, like I said, obviously the baby came along, so that kind of cemented my decision just to put it on hiatus for for, for a while anyway. Um, 
but yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I'd be keen to start it again, definitely. If people wanted to read it, I'd be more than happy to start it up again. Yeah, I'd be stoked to see it and be good to see some industry support behind it. Um, but it is, as you said, like it was a great way for you to learn more about saltwater fly fishing in Australia. Like that was part of the reason I just started the podcast. I could talk to interesting people and spending most of my life working in tackle shops. I've got to meet some pretty interesting people along the way and hear some stories. So I thought, well, it's a great way for me to learn, but also to put those stories out for other people to learn as well. Absolutely. I think you're doing a sterling job with the podcast. Oh, cheers, mate. I'll um, slip you a 50 <laughs> after the podcast for that one. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll make it 100 and I'll give you a few more, I'll give you a few more before, before the end of it. <laughs> a one-off custom print, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why not? Uh, and so uh, your latest um, project, Headwater Angling and Art Co., um, how did that come about? Um, look, I've been drawing and painting and all that sort of jazz for, you know, most of my life. Um, and again, having another kid, we had another baby recently and, um, I had an iPad lying around and I had a pen lying, you know, digi pen or whatever it's called lying around and I needed something to keep me awake at night because I'd be the, doing the late shift keeping the, you know, feed the baby, I suppose, at 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I, I ended up keeping on falling asleep. So I needed something to keep my mind active. So I started sketching stuff on my on my iPad. And, um, you know, the first few were very average. And then um, I think it was a Saratoga was the first one that I drew that I thought was actually any good. So, um, yeah, showed my wife and showed a few people and they thought it was pretty cool. So... Ended up drawing a few more, and um, and yeah, I think I'm about twelve or thirteen fish in now to my quiver of fish that I've done so far, and um, yeah, going strong. I'm doing a collab with some guys down in New South Wales, um, doing a fish up for them, and um, I've done up a. I don't know if you've seen the movie; it's on Vimeo. Um, they called I don't know if it's pronounced correctly because I'm not from South America, but I think they called Machaca. Yeah, I think that's Something it. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, anyway, they, they commissioned me to draw them, uh, one of them, which was pretty cool, because I hadn't ever really, um, I didn't really know about it. So that was uh, was very cool. And um, yeah, it's just sort of grown from there. I'm doing stickers and prints um, predominantly at the moment. And yeah, quite a few people have reached out and said, can you get some apparel tees whatever hats and stuff so i'm working on that and um and yeah hopefully uh, it all goes well it's just a really cool um like the way that you're drawing it's just a cool modern approach to it like i got the um the saratoga the barra the little highland brown trouts and the what else did i go uh Sarat- get the yeah, Sar- and no the bass as well the bass, um, yeah, and I framed them up and they look incredible. Like the colors are really cool and the scale patterns and that sort of thing. And even my wife, like she was blown away with them and said, oh, she'd be happy to have them in the house, not just the fly tying room. So you've done well wow. there. <laughs> I might have to slip your wife a 50. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's quite a compliment. Thanks. <laughs> but no, like the, um, and the quality of the stickers is really good too. Like I've seen a few guys jumping on and sticker bomb and their um their eskies and their fly boxes and that sort of thing so i think it's just something that like 
you can have like as a great gift idea for someone or have it hanging up in your study or if you just want to slap a sticker on your car or your tackle box it's um just a cool way to yeah personalize it really yeah just show that you're a fisherman i suppose um yeah i mean look i love stickers uh on top of all the other things that i do i also have a signage business and you know we make a lot of stickers so i'm in the right business and, and yeah, I love I love making stick. I mean, I love stickers. I always have as a kid. Everything had stickers on them, so that's kind of where I started. And um, yeah, sky's the limit, I suppose. There's so many things you can do nowadays with digital artwork and that sort of thing. So yeah, we'll just um, see how it goes, I guess. Yeah. And how long do you reckon it takes you? Like, say for instance, uh, for instance, the Saratoga. How many hours do you reckon would go into one of those drawings? Look, it probably takes me, like I said, you know, obviously only working at night once the kids have gone to sleep um, for the most part. Um, or if I get a gap here and there, I tend to jump on and, and do as much as I can. But um, probably all up, it would probably take me about a week of evenings, probably three or four hours at a time. So, you know, and some fish, obviously, there's, a, there's more detail in their scales that, you know, the scales really take a long time. You know, you'll probably notice on those first one, you know, obviously each fish is unique and my style isn't perfect. Um, and, yeah, so the scales are not perfect, but, you know, they probably take the longest to do. So, yeah, I'd say probably about five days of late nights, three or four hours at a time. It's pretty impressive with how, um, like, you've really kept the prices super affordable. Like um, for an A4 print, it's only, what, 35 bucks or something like that. Yeah, thirty five ninety five. Look, I mean, you know, it's never really in it to make money. It's I just want to base like kind of like the magazine. As long as I cover my costs and and make enough to be able to keep buying more prints and making more stickers and that sort of thing. That's that's um at the moment that's just my aim. So yeah, I'm glad everyone's um you know everyone that has jumped on board. I really appreciate the support. And um yeah, hopefully we can keep kicking out some cool designs and yeah who knows where we can go from here yeah it's been great to see the support like i'm always keeping an eye on your instagram page and it's always good to see people sharing their purchases and um one of the newer ones you've done that um tusky that you've done is the, the colors on that are incredible i think i'll be ordering a bigger version of that for the wall um oh mate well th- someone ordered an a2 of that and it is yeah I, I mean i love all of the fish that i drew but i reckon out of all of them that's probably going to be one of my favorites just for you know the the printers i mean i don't do those prints myself they sent down to um, a company called bright room on the sunshine coast and um you know they do all sort of fine art printing so they you know they gurus at what they do and yeah the just the coloring that they've managed to get out of those fish is just phenomenal and especially that tusky like all the blues and greens and that kind of thing is just phenomenal yeah and you can get, um, it's not just the A4 and A2 and that sort of thing. If people want a custom size print, they can organize that through you as well? Yeah, absolutely. They can just um, either reach out on, yeah, on Instagram or um, we'll be launching our website soon. So probably I'd say this week. Um, I don't want to give a day. I'm hoping for Wednesday, but I just want all the shirts and things to come in. So I've got stock of, you know, when we do go live. Um but yeah, they can reach out there. Email addresses on there too. So, um, yeah, just probably flick me a message on Instagram. For now, is the easiest. 
Yeah. So for the meantime, people can keep an eye on your Instagram account and your Facebook page. And yep. Yeah, I think. Look, I'm a lot more active on Instagram than Facebook. Um, just I think because I prefer Instagram because it's just pictures basically. That's that, that's what I like. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, they can just jump on Insta or Facebook or whatever, and I'll, I'm on there. So flick me a message. Yeah, we can do. Yeah, like I said, the biggest I've done is A2 so far, but I think the sky's the limit, really. Yeah. And if people want to get like a commission done sort of thing, same thing, just shoot you an email or shoot you a message and go from there? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I did that one for those guys in um, Costa Rica. And yeah, they just flicked me a message on Insta and we sort of had a good chat about, you know, on there and a couple of calls and whatnot. So yeah, easy enough to to jump on there. Um, I do have... People can email me if they want. Um, the email is just hello at headwatersart.com.au um, if they wanted to do that. But, yeah, probably on social is probably the easiest easiest way to reach me. And I guess, too, if anyone wants to get in touch with the um, In The Salt magazine, like whether it's someone from industry or a guiding operation that want to get behind it, they can shoot you an email with that as well. Yep. Yeah, well, that one – well, I've, the website's still up and running. I've kept all that going um, and all the past issues are still up there as well. Um, just because I kind of feel like it's not over yet. <laughs> so I've kept it going for as long as I can. <laughs> but, yeah, they could jump onto the website, um, insultflymag.com.au, and, um, and yeah, just there's – obviously we have a social media presence as well, so they can also reach out on there. Um, but there's email addresses and sort of that sort of thing on the website too. Yeah, there's some great content on there. I had a spare 15 minutes of work the other day on lunch, so I thought oh, I'll jump on and have a quick flick through a few of the back issues. And there's some great photos on there and some great stories and even some international stuff like chasing stripers. And um, so it's not just Australia. Like there's some great content from Australia, but it's cool to see a bit of international stuff as well. Yeah, look, I try to keep it interesting. You know, like obviously there's a lot of people around the world that you know, fly fish. So, um, you know, I tried to focus on australian fly fishing but you know it is a sort of it's kind of limited in a way um and obviously content's also limited in a way so i so to fill up the magazine i did have to reach out further afield and got some really talented guys um to do some amazing articles for us and and yeah the photography was insane as well so you know i just just on that like I'd like to start the magazine just so I can support those guys again as well. You know, obviously every article with, you know, they, they guides and things, but they make money out of of writing articles and that sort of thing too. So, um, yeah, it was cool to connect with some really cool people. It was great to have Platzi in there doing his, um, fly box sort of thing, doing like a step-by-step each issue, how to tie different patterns because he's been in the industry for a very long time. Obviously has his shop down there at the Sunshine Coast, does his guiding yep. down there and up here in Harvey Bay as well um, at yep. certain times of the year. So it's great to have someone like Platzi on board. Oh, definitely. And he was, yeah, like I said, he was involved from the beginning and he was probably one of the main reasons that I kept going after issue one, you know. And, um, yeah, I've spent a few, few weekends and stuff with Platzi and, yeah, he's a good bloke, very fishy as well. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's. Um, I think most people I've talked to in the shop about fly fishing. I think everyone's mentioned Platzi at some stage, whether it's been a casting lesson in the park or a tuna session or something like that, or chasing little black marlin up on the flats up here in the bays. Um, yeah, he's sort of been there, done that with a lot of things, a lot of international travel and some hosted trips and that sort of thing. So, yep, yep, yeah. Well, we actually went over with his crowd to Christmas Island. That's how I first got to meet Gav. 
Yeah, okay. Was 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 on that, yeah. Yeah, his new little shop's looking great too. Last time I was down the sunny coast, I dropped in. He was off guiding for the day, but his lovely wife was in there and they've done a really good job there. It's got a really cool rustic feel to it and it's got just, just about everything you'd need. So. Yeah, look, I've only seen, obviously, stuff that they've posted. I've, I haven't been down there yet, but hopefully I'll get down there one of these days with two little ankle biters. It's a bit tricky. Yeah. <laughs> Travel Travel's limited for the minute. It's all right. You go down there and you go to the surf beaches for a bit, then you come up to Harvey Bay and we can have a fish and then you can make your way yeah. back home. So. so Sounds good to me, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it was cool watching one of your um, your little reels that you put up on Instagram the other day for the um, inspiration for that little Highland Brown trout, that video from yep. the trip that you did down there. Um, cause that, oh, yep. That sticker's been super popular from what I've seen on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's loving that little Highland or High Country Brown, I called it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, um, that was down to New South Wales. Um, a mate and I did that last year and, um, never fished for trout in Australia before. And yeah, we got quite a few and, um, it was, it was really good fishing and some amazing, you know, amazing sort of area. Sorry, that's just my Labrador having a dream. I was going to say, you might want to get that checked out, mate. Yeah. Wait till you hear his name. Orvis. Orvis. I'm glad it was the dog making those noise and not you after a couple of drinks. Yeah, no, that's no, the dog having a dream. It's pretty funny. Noisy bugger. Yeah, well, we've got two labs and you'll be watching a movie at night time or something like that and they'll start having a dog dream. And yeah, it's funny watching the legs go and all of a sudden yeah, they're woofing. Dreaming, and... <laughs> dreaming like they're running down the beach or something. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the colours on that little, um, little brown trout, like the markings that they get on them are exceptional. And like even that, um, I really like the Murray cod too, like, all those fish, the the textures and the colours that they get. Um, we're sort of lucky over here that we do have such a variety of species. So for you as a graphic artist and a drawer and that sort of thing that you'd, you'd never really run out of ideas, I guess. Oh, the list is so long. L- literally every day someone says to me, hey, are you going to draw this or are you going to draw that? And I'm like, yep, I'll draw it. I'll add it to my list. <laughs> but the list is getting really long now. I don't know how many weeks I'm going to be spending drawing all these fish requests, but... You know, we'll, we'll see how we go. Yeah, I guess there's only so many nights that you've got. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. Eh? Yeah. Time is limited these days while the kids are still small, I suppose. So do you reckon um, that the shirts and caps and that sort of thing will be here in Oz before Christmas for people? Or Yep, yep. Um, our shirts, well, I've only done um, I've only done six of the designs, um, you know, kind of like the magazine, doing it off my own back, obviously. And um, so, yeah, I was just sort of testing the waters. I think given the response from everyone, I probably could have done all the fish that I've drawn and, you know, they would have been sold. But um, I think I've done the – I think we did the Barra definitely, Bass, High Country Brown, Saratoga. We did Permit – and the tusky, I think. Yeah. So six six fish, and um, yeah, the shirts will be um, on our website this week. Hopefully, we'll go live. Should get the shirts this week. Yeah, cool. So people can and keep an eye on your socials there, and once the website's live, jump on and support you, and then we can yep. keep seeing some more great content coming out. Yeah, well, let's hope so. <laughs> the um the toga was super popular, which doesn't really surprise me actually, because they're such a cool fish. Like I've done a fair bit of toga fishing, both conventional and fly. 
Um, yep. And especially when you can sight fish them, they're like a, I don't know, like what's Paul call them, a tropical trout. They're just like tropical a, trout, um, yeah. a big, big brown trout that just wants to hunt down, a, whether it's a toad fly or a frog or something like that or a dahlberg. Um, they just love they, it. Yeah, they are very cool fish. But I was quite surprised. I didn't think, you know, out of out of all of the fish, it wasn't one that I would have probably chosen. But um, it certainly was an overwhelming response when we did that uh, little competition to see, you know, to vote on your favorite fish, I suppose. And, um, yeah, it was it was leaps and bounds ahead of everything else. And, um, yeah, like you said, they're a very cool fish. Uh, we don't get to fish for them all that often because the place we like to go is quite a f- fair, fair drive from here. But um, it's super special when you do get to go there. And, yeah, sight casting to those things is very cool. Just because they're so cool looking, I think. So prehistoric. And, you know, you just see them just ambling down the down the waterway and you plop a fly or whatever in front of them and they just charge it most of the time. Not always, but for, for the most part, they just, you know, it's like they're in hunting mode constantly. It was um, pretty cool. I took my best mate um down to central queensland a couple two or three years ago now and he'd never chased toga before and i said oh that like it's pretty cool like you'd watch him just chase the fly down and most of the time you're sight casting to him you're not really blind casting he's like oh yeah yeah got on the water and i got a couple on fly and he was like holy shit and then he picked up the spin rod and i remember him skipping a little frog plastic and it sort of landed on there's a branch on like a 45 degree angle in the water and this plastic's like high and dry up on the timber <laughs> and dangling. this toga's come up swam up on its side onto the log and it's chomping at this frog and i'm like there's no way this thing's oh, gonna get wow. it it's then got the plastic he set the hook so then he's had to like i've had to just jam the front of the tinny straight into the tree with the electric <laughs> He's passed the rod around, gone around. It's gone through a few sticks. So then I've had to slam my arm under the water and breaking off branches. And he landed it. It was like a 72-centimeter toga. Jeez, that is crazy. And, yeah, for a wild fish, (laughs) it's a cracking fish. I said, how the hell did that happen? (laughs) Yeah, especially for it to freaking launch out the water to bloody eat the plastic. That is crazy. I I wish we had a GoPro on because it was just so funny watching this thing. Like on its side, it's like a snake had slithered up the branch or something like that, and it's just chomping in the air at this frog. Oh, wow. And, yeah, I think that was like that made the whole trip for him. He thought it was just unreal. And ever since we've wanted to get back, but a lot of places the last few years because we've gone from obviously – previous years of drought to all of a sudden we've had wet years so a lot of the yep. rivers have just constantly been in flood or the water's been super dirty and you can't actually sight fish them so yep that's kind of the problem that we have as well like the places where we generally like to you know sort of head out towards them if it if you sort of get a, a rain event you know that place is it runs dirty for months so kind of sucks but yeah. You know, when you get to go there and it's good, it's very special, I suppose. It's a um, bit of a shame. We've had a couple of good bass sessions the last few weeks and all of a sudden, yeah, we've got all this rain again. Like I think Tinkan Bay got around 300 mils over the last couple of days. So it just means it's the crazy. rivers here are going to be stuffed again. It was shaping Blown up out to be, again. Oh, yeah. It was shaping up to be one of the best seasons I've probably seen here in the last five, six years. I reckon like all the fish have yeah, been okay. really healthy, fat, like no sickly looking fish. The water level's been up. Um, we had like a few floods in a row, so there's heaps of new snags and new timber. Um, and then, yeah, you cop all this rain and they're talking about more for the rest of the season. So I think we'll be yeah. waiting maybe till next year now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, up here, I know, especially for us, like obviously we get, you know, as well, we get a lot of rain, cyclone, whatever, that sort of jazz. But, um, yeah, normally 
after a year of a lot of rain, the fishing ends up being really good. So, you know, you've got to look at the positives, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and they usually far outweigh the um, the negatives. So yeah, that's it. Eh? It'd be interesting what happens with that um, hydroelectric project that they're was it for the Pioneer up there, but they're proposing it. Yeah, they were. Um, they're proposing it for up sort of near Yungla. Um but um, I think yeah, I'm not too sure about that project. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was a feel-good piece more than anything else. Be interesting to see what happens there. I know Paul wasn't too happy about it, and they're talking about doing um, like a hydro sort of set up at Lake Barumba, so near Indigo. Yeah, okay. Um, yep. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that and how they're actually going to do it. So hopefully, it doesn't, yeah, look, yeah, stuff the fishery. <laughs> yeah, I think that I think up here for us, I think there's going to be a lot of resistance because you know that whole area is national park. It's like pristine rainforest. So I don't understand why you'd want to wipe out half of the rainforest to build a dam. I mean, I, I understand, obviously, green energy and all that kind of thing, but, yeah, let's not go down that road. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always good <laughs> to stay away from politics. Yeah, yeah, let's, let's, let's not get into that. Have you done um, much of the sooty fishing up there and, like, further north with the JPs and that sort of thing? Um, yeah, we do a lot of sooty fishing here. Um, and... Uh, as far as JPs, I've done some JP fishing. Um, I was actually very fortunate to catch a local JP here, which is quite, um, you know, they're very few and far between. Um, but I have been up uh, to, oh, I forget the name of the state forest, Abigauri, I think it's called. Um, we went up and camped up there for a long weekend and we did a bit of fishing up there. And uh, yeah, we caught a few JPs, which was awesome. But, um, yeah, we've got a phenomenal sooty fishery um, around Mackay. Obviously, you've got Yungala Dam, which is stocked in Poundment, and there's some big sooties in there, and they are super fun to catch. But then, yeah, most of our rivers here have got sooties in them as well, and, yeah, there's some really special places as well that you get to go and fish for those fish. So um, I think the obsession with sooties became, you know, exponentially more after my trip to New Zealand fishing for trout and then I sort of kind of similar to the trip to CXR where we got to fish on the flats there fishing for trout again just made me think differently about fishing for sooties and in, in the rivers and stuff that we fish here so um, now I predominantly fish for them where I can of course with sort of big foam beetles and you know all kinds of foamy delights and, um, you know, they're sort of quite willing to to eat off the top, which is great. And, um, yeah, so I get my trout fix on sooties. <laughs> <laughs> That's the same thing, too. You can find them in some pretty pristine water, and they're just such an aggressive fish. Like, I'll use a lot of foam flies as well. I could do some little foam um, cicadas, and I use crystal flash for wings. So when you actually strip the fly, the crystal flash is moving like wings, and they just absolutely demolish those things off the top. I had a session would have been last year or the year before where I fished one snag in the river and like one cast I got a little sooty, another one I got like a little toga, then I got a um, like a little grunter sort of thing and it's just amazing how many will eat those little foamies off the top, whether it's a cicada or a little frog imitation. But the um, the sooties, I love them just because they're, they, um, they'll pull a bass backwards, that's for sure, and you guys obviously get much bigger ones than we get up here. Oh, they'll pull a trap backwards too. <laughs> So have you got any um, any trips planned for the end of the year or any for the, the new year coming up? 
Um, like I said, you know, having a newborn in the house has sort of put a put a stop to my, you know, away fishing as it were, trip wise. Um, I'd really like to get back down to New England again next year. Um, I'd also love to get over to New Zealand again next year. But we'll just see how that goes, I suppose. Other than that, just, yeah, fishing around here. Um, like I said before, you know, we've got a phenomenal fishery. So I can't really complain. I'll probably get to do more fishing than most guys get to do. So, um, yeah, very fortunate. Yeah, you, that is a thing that you're so lucky that you've got such amazing fishing on your doorstep. A lot of people, um, especially in the cities, they have to travel for their fishing. So they might get a few local-ish trips, but then they might only get one or two big trips a year where they have to go sort of either north or south for it. Um, yep. So, yeah, like you're lucky in the sense of you've got a lot on your doorstep and we've got quite a diverse fishery here in Harvey Bay as well. Well, look, I mean, I, I don't know where you can catch a permit in the morning, drive 45 minutes, go and catch a barra and a sooty. You know, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Might have to make that the new Grand Slam. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Mackay Slam. <laughs> yeah, the Mackay Slam. Be pretty cool, I reckon. PD will be all over that one. Yeah. <laughs> well, we might, um, we've covered a fair bit in this one, Justin. We might wrap things up. Um, yeah. But just in summary, so yeah, if people want to get behind um, your latest project, they can jump onto Instagram as well as Facebook and find everything there for Headwaters. Um, yep. you've got your new website coming out soon. So there's going to be plenty of yep. great gift ideas for people coming into Christmas. Um, yep. So, yeah, you'll obviously be pushing it there and then we'll put it up on the socials too for the uh, podcast. So I'll chuck it up on my personal oh. page as well for you. Um, Cheers for that. And also too, yeah, if people want to get in touch, whether it be for a commission piece, a custom size print, or even if it's someone from industry or, yeah, a guide that wants to get involved within the Salt magazine, they can just yep. reach out to you via email or shoot you a message and... Um, Absolutely. Yeah, hopefully make it happen from there. Sounds good, man. Well, maybe we'll have to get an article out of you to kick things off, eh? <laughs> yeah, definitely game, mate. Always game. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Well, well um, thanks again for coming on. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your busy schedule. Hopefully you've still got a couple of hours to do some drawing now. It's, um, what, close yeah, to 9 at... o'clock at night? <laughs> yeah, I've probably got a good hour and a half before bottle feed. So, yeah, I reckon I'll get, get cracking. I guess the baby makes a pretty good iPad holder. You just rest it on the head there somewhere. <laughs> exactly <laughs> all right well, i'll leave you to it justin but thanks again mate i really enjoyed having a chat here and no doubt i'll be um shooting another order through soon and you'll be taking no. some more of my money so <laughs> <laughs> i think i owe you for this one dude thanks for thanks for having me on your show it's um yeah it's really good and i've really been enjoying it um listening to all the recent podcasts and stuff that you've done so i think just uh yeah keep on trucking you're doing you're doing good work dude thanks mate really appreciate you the same with the um with the artwork side of things and i really hope to see the magazine come back into into the swing of things again because you've done a great job with it and it's it's good to see a bit of variety as well coming out of australia like we've got as you said fly life is um such a great publication but it's not like other yep. places around the world where they've got multiple um sources yep. of media so all the best with that going forward thank you very much righto thanks justin thanks have a good one eh? cheers mate cheers mate If you'd like to check out the back issues of In The Salt Fly Mag, you can find them at inthesaltflymag.com.au. Since recording this podcast, Justin's Headwaters Arts website is also live. To find it, jump onto headwatersart.com.au, where you'll find a range of prints, stickers, t-shirts, and even some cool hand-tied flies by Jack Porter from Porterflies. 
You'll also find Headwaters Art on Instagram, as well as in the Salt Fly Mag. And if you'd like to contact Justin about getting a custom design done or even being involved in the Salt Fly Mag, you can email him at hello at headwatersart.com.au.